So the big question is this. How are gigging musicians like us, who don't make any money streaming, who are spending money from our own pockets, how do we treat our music careers as online businesses in a way that lets us get our music and the things we believe in out to the world, yet still remain profitable? That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answer. My name is Jared Judge, and welcome to the Gigging Musician Podcast. What's up, Gigging Pros? It's Jared Judge. Welcome back to another episode of the Gigging Musician Podcast. I've got a lot of energy because I just finished playing my first wedding gig in Colorado. Yeah, that's right. I normally would play a ton of weddings in Wisconsin, but since moving to Colorado almost a year ago, I've played almost exclusively corporate events, which has been a nice, refreshing change. But uh, today's wedding proved that I missed playing weddings and I missed playing with other musicians. You know, my uh, corporate event, my electric violin act is typically just a solo act with backing tracks. Um, But this was a full string quartet. So I wanted to take this podcast episode as an opportunity to reveal to you the underbelly of an industry that you might not have known about, or maybe you do, because maybe you play for one of these kinds of acts, which are national contractors. So in case, you know, most musicians, when you get started, you think about playing in a band or playing in a classical group, and you think of the group is just the players that are in that group at the time that they're playing. The string quartet, you might have Jason on violin one, Linda on violin two, Jared on viola, and Dan on cello. But there, that, that is like the normal thing that most people think of when you think of a string quartet or even think of a band. There are agencies, and also those are known as contractors in the classical world, where the band is violin one, violin two, viola, and cello. There are positions that they fill with a large roster of the equivalent of substitutes, which means instead of, you know, Jared on viola, it could be anybody on viola, like Rebecca or Sarah or Kirsten, anybody on viola. And this has its roots. This is a very typical thing for classical string quartets and and cover bands, specifically like wedding slash corporate event style cover bands. And um, the way that these acts work, and they do work really well, Uh, Some of you might play for some of these national ones. The way that they work is, first off, they rely on having talented musicians in the given area that they serve. So here in Denver, I just played for one of these. The company I knew was headquartered in New York City, and they rely on the fact that they've got talented musicians in cities across the country and possibly across the world in some cases. So here in Denver, they know that, hey, we've got talented musicians. Let's tap into them. And with these musicians, we assume that they have a skill in sight reading new music, being able to play without rehearsal and sounding pretty close to perfect on the first time. So that's like how the product gets fulfilled. So, you know, if you can rely on the fact that you have talented musicians in cities across the world, what's to stop you from being in your city and booking uh, gigs in other cities? And my answer is nothing, except for the fact that maybe you just don't know how to market an act in another city. And that is the secret sauce of these national and international agencies, is that they 
they've got their marketing down to a science. Um, I say that thinking like there are opportunities to slide in and beat them. But uh, then to me, that's why like I've been getting so many gigs on the Extreme Strings Electric Violins, even though I'm competing with this national agency based out of New York in Denver. Um, so there are ways to slide in and, and stand out in your marketing, but really the, the secret sauce is marketing. So I know for a fact that these agencies market themselves on Google. They spend money to run Google ads. They spend money to run Facebook and Instagram ads. And I'm not sure if any of them are running TikTok ads yet, but they run ads and it's a lot easier to run these ads at weddings, which, you know, we've had some podcast episodes about running Facebook ads. And so they do get a lot of weddings and they run these ads. The brides and the grooms, they reach out to them saying, hey, we're interested in booking you. And then after that marketing piece is done and they, they raise their hand and become a lead, then they sell to them. They might sell over email or they might sell with a Zoom call, which Zoom calls can be done across the country. Like, you know, I'm sure that this group is doing most of their selling from their New York office in Denver. And then uh, they do a Zoom call to sell the gig, write the contract, collect the money, and the gig is booked. Then after the gig is booked, and only after, do they start hiring the musicians to play that gig. I know this because, you know, I, I do a similar thing in Milwaukee with my act. We, I've been selling gigs in Milwaukee despite me being in Denver, marketing the way that I've been marketing, and then hopping on Zoom with the clients. They're in Milwaukee, I'm in Denver, and I sell the gig, write the contract, collect the deposit. And then two months before the gig is when I staff the gig. And I know that I can staff it two months in advance because we've got a pretty large roster of musicians in Milwaukee. So I know that we could staff and I'm assuming the, the group based in New York has a similarly large roster. And that's how they could comfortably book gigs, not knowing who's going to play them. And so uh, they sell the gig, as I mentioned. And then uh, what I've found in my experience that the most helpful way of making sure a gig goes smoothly when you're not going to be physically there playing the gig is to have a music consultation call with the person who booked you a couple months out or even like right after they book to start kicking off the music planning process. So what works really well with these gigs where the four of us from today, I think two of the people knew each other and the other two, me included, had never met any of these people in our lives. Yet we showed up, we were able to play because the, uh, the cook people who booked us consulted with the, like, I guess you'd call it the agency, and put to, they put together a thorough set list and detailed plans for how the gig is going to go. For wedding ceremonies, there's a lot more planning involved. You got to know how many people are walking down the aisle. Are there any special moments in the middle of the ceremony that music needs to be accounted for? And so they have done that. They've done all the hard work for that so that we could just show up with a plan and execute on that plan. Um, I'm sorry, I'm going to make this quick turn here. Very nice. And so that's how these agencies work. This works both in the string quartet world and in the cover band world. And uh, they pay out, you know, they I think they split the pay relatively equally among the players, but then they take a profit margin on top of what they pay the the players 
to fund their operations and help them make their money. And so my challenge to you is think about how can you treat your act just like this style of act that's a national agency? Because if you recall, the thing that I mentioned that was the secret sauce in this was the marketing. Most musicians fail to market their act. That's kind of the theme of this whole podcast is your music will not market itself. Yet these national agencies market themselves aggressively using a variety of tried and true marketing tactics, Facebook ads, Google ads, Instagram ads, Osprey TikTok ads. And then they treat the rest of it like a business too. They have planning meetings. They come up with a detailed logistical plan to make sure that the gig goes great. Then they treat the hiring of musicians as a staffing service where they have a big roster so that they could uh, comfortably book a gig without having to worry about if anyone's a bill. Now, you might not want to do that, especially if you get satisfaction out of play with the same players all the time. But they still systemize how the hiring is done. So I urge you to do things more consistently. And I also challenge you to create a competing act. Now, I want you to say, I'm not saying that, you know, I want you to take away from any of these acts. And I don't believe that you will. Because within the secret sauce of marketing, first off, you have to start with the belief that there are more than enough opportunities for everybody. Right? Like, I believe that there are gig opportunities that you can create by marketing yourself effectively. These, you know, the people who book you might not have considered live music until they saw your marketing. So that's the mindset you have to go in with this. And if that's the case, then you're not really competing with these national agencies. You're just pushing yourself to compete against yourself. And the second thing is after you have that mindset of abundance, is there has to be something unique or different about your act. That to me is, I think, a weakness in these national agencies is that because they're so systemized and they're so rigid in what they do, it's very difficult to create a unique uh, and something unique about the act, right? The street quartet that I just played it, it was almost exactly like what, what my company, Green City Strings, does at Milwaukee. It played some classical and then it played arrangements of popular music. In fact, there was a there was no Led Zeppelin. There was Metallica. We played a Metallica song on, on strings. We sounded pretty good. But I will argue that there, these kinds of acts are a dime a dozen in most major cities and smaller cities too. And it, it's because of the fact that it's very hard to create something unique when you're doing it at a large scale. That's not saying that it's impossible, but it is very difficult. Similarly with my electric violin act, you know, I would say the electric violin act is more unique than a street quartet. Electric violin has not been around as long as a classical street quartet. So that is more unique in the fact that electric violin is a unique instrument at hearing violin along with backing tracks is pretty unique for some people, especially because, well, here's where we're getting into. I personally approach this a little in a unique way and that I love to play EDM and, you know, popular music in a style that feels more true to the recordings that I'm laying along with. Uh, plus, I'm also taking lessons from Tracy Silverman, learning how to use his strum bowing method and play electric violin a little more in the style of a guitar, which I think is fun. So that makes my act even more unique. Uh, plus, my personality is unique. People seem to enjoy working with me. I love to share with them and help them out and get in the weeds with them. And I'm very passionate about what I do. 
which is another unique factor. So if you are passionate about what you do, then you also have that going for you as well. So those are ways that I feel like you can carve out your niche. But think about it. How can you treat your act like one of these national agencies? Is there something they're doing, particularly in the marketing department, that you're not doing? Are you so focused on, you know, practicing, learning new songs, being good musicians that you're neglecting the marketing side? If that's the case, here's my challenge to you. Go and market your acts. Did I want to teach you how? If you've been listening to my podcast for a while, you know that at the end of each podcast, I offer you something and I'm going to offer you it again. I want you to get the Cape Claws. Cape Claw is a totally free treasure trove of over 24,665 high end venue and event planners. Um, in fact, the funny thing was this geek that I played today was at a venue that I actually emailed as part of my gig call, and I have a meeting scheduled with them next week. Uh, it's too bad it's an hour away. <laughs> there are venues that are a lot closer than an hour away, but I made the commitment to just blanket all of Denver with me, and maybe that's the commitment you want to make to yourself in your city. So I'm going to meet with this venue that I just played at. When you're on a gig playing for somebody else, it is not your place to market yourself, so I did not do that. But now, spare gaming. It's my bidding now. So go ahead and get the gig bolts so that you can learn how to do this, how to park into your acts, and blanket your city with your act. And you can do that. Get it for free at OpenTheGigBalls.com. It comes with a free 30-day trial of Bullseye Music Academy and the amazing Book Live software, which is the same software a lot of these agencies are actually using to do their contracts, collect money, do their staffing, build their set lists, etc. So go to OpenTheGigVault.com, and thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Giggy Musician Podcast. Remember, you are uh, just one gig away, and remember, your music will not park it itself. Bye, everybody! Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Gigging Musician Podcast. If you like this episode, then please take a screenshot on your phone and tag me and post on Instagram, letting me know what you liked about this episode and let me know what you would like to hear in future episodes. That will help me serve you better. Also, I would love to invite you to my upcoming five-day full-time music challenge. Just give me five short days and I will show you a step-by-step plan to make real consistent income with your music. It's totally free and you can register on fulltimemusicchallenge.com. That's fulltime, one word, no dash in between, fulltimemusicchallenge.com. Thanks again and I hope to see you in my next challenge.